Well, good morning again. Uh, Cody, our worship leader, is he and his wife, they had a, their third child last night. And so I want to thank Jared for filling in today. He got the call last night pretty late, or I think around 5 o'clock in the evening. Thanks, man. And, uh, and then baby came at 6.10, I think. So Cora Ray Flannery. So, and a healthy baby, and Cassie's doing fine, and so... Uh, Cody got the week off. Maybe, maybe next week too. He doesn't know that yet. So, uh, but, uh, if Jared's willing, we'll give him another week. Okay, Jared said thumbs up. He's good. So, uh, hey, wanted to update you on uh, one other thing regarding the International Mission Board and that, that portion of our Christmas offering. Uh, our, our Christmas offering is being divided up into three areas. An international segment, a regional effort, and a local effort. And so for the international, you saw that video. That's the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. We, we give to that. We're also going to give a portion to the effort going on in Guatemala. Last week we had uh, Cesar and his wife Elba. They were up here yesterday and sharing briefly about their ministry in Guatemala. And they said thank you for the Christmas offering last year. We gave and we helped them get a new truck that they could take teams into the jungle to reach uh, some of the indigenous people that they're reaching out to there in Guatemala. And we, we gathered with them uh, in the beginning of the week, and uh, for one of the gatherings, we, we had a small group, and we were just learning more about their ministry, and uh, one, of the, one of the men of our church asked Cesar the question, what, what could we do, you know, you're heading back to Guatemala, in fact, they leave uh, tomorrow, they fly home, and so one of the men said, you know, would it be helpful if we sent you with shoes or clothes, or what, what would be helpful? And he, he said... The real need right now for them is parasite medicine because uh, one of the villages, the first village that he, 15 years ago, on his first trip into the jungle with, with another man there, uh, they met a man on, on the trail, his name was Jose, he became the first Christian that was reached in this region. And uh, that man, Jose, is now the pastor of the church that, that is in his village, the village is called Sepulk, and that whole village came to know Christ. So about 150 people live in Sepulk, and that is kind of the hub of ministry now for that region because that pastor has taken uh, people from his village and the Christians there and reached the next, went to reach the next village and then the next village. And so that, that group in Sepulk and Pastor Jose is kind of the pastor of the pastors and these churches are sprouting out in the jungle. Uh, but he shared with us that 75 of his people in his village have parasites right now. And so there's a real need right now, right now for them. Because in order for them to really, as they're eating and, you know, as they can't take the nutrients in and really uh, live healthy lives if they have parasites. And so, parasite medicine, you know, as soon as we heard that, I was like, okay, how much does this cost? What can we do to help? And so, it's $7 a person for six months of parasite medicine. And so, do the math, 7 times 75, it's, you know, around $500. We can basically help with that specific need with the church in Sepulk and then keep them healthy so that the work can continue into the jungle. And so that's our plan is to, is to meet that need at the very least. Um, that's another thing we'll be doing as we partner with them. And that'll be through the, the Christmas offering. Um, another thing to be praying for is that there, there's an opportunity, and it's probably a time-sensitive opportunity. Uh, there, we, we went there two summers ago on an exploratory trip 
Uh, myself and John went, and then this past summer we were planning to send another team into the jungle, uh, but we we canceled our our trip because of the Zika outbreak. And as we were looking into this mosquito and, and the disease that it carries and, and how widespread it is in Central America, our team was made up of, of several um, young dads who who their families are still growing and this specific virus attacks can uh, cause a real problem for, for pregnant um, moms and their babies. And so... We decided it was best to hold off on that trip this past summer. We're praying through future opportunities. I'd like to see us send another team in next year and just pick the the people that really should be on that team who are either past those uh, child-raising years or uh, they may also have a better handle on the vaccinations and treatment of that uh, Zika virus. But there's a real opportunity to partner there with with Cesar and and, uh, Steve Reed. Uh, there are roads going into these into these villages, and that's a good thing on some level. I mean, we, it used to be when we went, we had to hike into all these places, but they're building more roads. And roads sound like they're a good thing because you can get medicine and food to the villages. And, but what that brings is modern living. Cell phones, radios, TVs. And just think about all the good that technology brings, but then think of the bad that technology brings. And so there's this time-sensitive opportunity, even with the roads. One of the missionaries there told us that the, the slower the pace of life, the faster that the gospel moves into these unreached groups. But the, uh, the faster that the pace of life is there, then the slower the gospel is because they're distracted, because there's more coming at them. And so we have an opportunity to be involved in, in what God is doing there. And so be praying as we, as I'm praying through this uh, opportunity for next year and just what, what we would do to partner with, with them as they're reaching uh, out. Cesar is, I think, 68 as well. And so uh, he's, he's a real courageous man who continues to use his life to advance the gospel. So uh, let's pray right now for, for him and the ministry they have, and, and then we'll turn a corner and into the message. Father, again, we just bow before you right now. We thank you so much for your love and your kindness to us that you've shown. Thank you for the work you're doing in our uh, hometown here. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and our church in our relationships, God, even in our community, and how you're using us. We pray for continued fruit from the Orange Crestival, Lord, as we hosted that here for our community. And God, we lift up the church in Sepulk and the, the people who are infected with parasites. We pray that uh, treatment could be sent to them in, in quickly, Lord, so that they can get healthy, Lord, and continue to do the work that you've um, assigned to them, Lord, and you've opened up the opportunity for them, God. We lift them up, God. We pray for this offering that we're giving towards, on a much larger level, the International Mission Board. Would you use it, God, and multiply the dollars that come in, Lord. Stretch us as a church and as individuals as we consider this. Speak to us specifically as we try to uh, just consider what we would each do, God, to further your kingdom. Would you bless it? And help us to focus now, God. Pray against uh, anything that would distract us. Just ask you to just give us clarity as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, well, we are... We, Thanksgiving's over, Christmas is upon us, and some of us are probably still recovering from the Thanksgiving feasts, and I know I am, from the food and the desserts, and, and there's still more in my fridge, and so it's... It, it's it's but it's now officially time for you to pull out your Christmas decor, your Christmas outfits if you have those. Uh 
I don't have any of those, I don't think. I might have a burgundy sweater I think I pull out each year. But <laughs> but I know some of you, you're already like weeks into your Christmas spirit. You know, you started playing Christmas music, you know, in October because you're just that excited about it. And so, but this is the time of year we get to ex- experience some things uh, like eggnog. You know, you, you get your eggnog this time of year and just really can enjoy the eggnog. I'm an eggnog fan, okay? But you also get all the coffee drinks at Starbucks and other coffee shops, you know, gingerbread lattes and all these things. And uh, we went down as a family and we, we saw the lights flick on or flip on over at downtown at the Mission Inn. They blew fireworks off. And our, our strategy for enjoying the, the fireworks, I'll let you in on our strategy, is we, we try to get to the spaghetti factory, basically. And we, it's, spaghetti factory for me is just as exciting as the lights flicking on. <laughs> but, so the goal is to get to Spaghetti Factory before the rush of the crowds after this is all turned on. So we, we get to the southern edge of the crowds. Good viewing position. Boom, they blow the fireworks off. And then boom, we grab the kids and we're out. We're, we run to the Spaghetti Factory and then we enjoy a meal together. And if we choose to, we go back and see the lights more. It's, it's beautiful the way they light up downtown Riverside. And uh, if you choose to brave the crowds, it's really, and the weather, it's really, it's really uh, it's a fascinating light display. You know, you get all your favorite Christmas, you know, movies and reruns, Christmas Story or Elf. Elf is one of our favorites, you know, as a family and, and kids enjoy Elf. You might, you might go up to the snow, like right now it's snowing up in Big Bear and it's, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen all that often. So take advantage of it. If you have chains or a good vehicle that can get you up there, you know, you might be able to enjoy the white Christmas in the snow. For us Californians, it doesn't happen. If, if you're a Christ follower, though, you know, then Christmas time is where we... It brings into focus the time where we remember the birth, of, the birth of our Savior. And for some of you, if you're newer, then maybe this is the first time that you're celebrating Christmas with a new significance. Remembering and celebrating Christ the King who was born. And so Christmas really is a time to savor some things that are really important. But the problem is is that Christmas is also packed full of pressure and stress and unmet expectations and sometimes loneliness and disappointment. And there's, there's a strong current during this whole season that can kind of catch us off guard and really pull us under. That's why we're calling this series Caught in the Undertow because there are just some waves that roll into our lives and threaten to overwhelm us during this season. And some of you... You, you have been around long enough where you've, you've felt this before. Like the Christmas season comes, and it's a lot of, it's a lot of excitement, but it's a lot of stress. And, and you know that. And so our hope is to try to prepare for what is coming to us and at us. So three different waves we're going to focus on. The first one we're going to look at today is the wave of demand. There is demands that come our way during the Christmas season. Next week we're going to look at the wave of comparison. And then in a few weeks we'll look at the wave of uncertainty. Because there are certainly there are, there are things that come into our lives that we hadn't expected. And so how, how can we prepare? Last month I was with some pastors in Florida. Right when Hurricane Matthew struck. We landed in Florida and then we learned that our flight home had been canceled because the hurricane was headed right towards you know where we were. And so... It was interesting to see all the responses to the hurricane because from Californians, you know, we're three three of us were Californian pastors. We know earthquakes, we don't know hurricanes. I was having to Google like, how do I prepare? What do I do? Where do I go? You know, is, is are we going to be safe in the in the in the hotel? Are the windows like hurricane rated? You know, what, what what do we need to do? 
And it was interesting because the responses were fascinating. Like some people were checking into the hotel who had fled from like coastline, you know, and they fled inland. Other people had boarded up their houses. We had people in our hotel that had all their like, uh, you know, little books, the old, you know, address books that had all the phone numbers, and they're they're calling people to see if they're okay. And and then you had other people that we're seeing on the news that are just like they're like dining on the on the on the Titanic, you know, they're just kind of hanging out still on their pier, and they're they're not doing anything. They're not boarding up their houses. They've seen this before, and so. All of these different responses, and likewise, we, we get caught up in the festivities of the season and then we don't realize there's a wave of coming called the wave of demand. And it hits us, and so it's wise to prepare. And so, now the, the demands that can really drown us are mostly related to two things. The first is my expectation, my own expectations. You and I, we have some demands that we create in our own minds. We want things to happen in a certain way, in a specific order. We have family traditions. Uh, I grew up celebrating certain traditions. And I remember when I, when I first got married, how challenging this was. And if, if you're you know, trying to navigate that dance of, of tradition, it could go something like this. Well, honey, this is, this is just what we've always done. Well, this is what we've always done. Yeah, I understand that, but this is... That's not what we've done. This is what we've done. Well, that's not what we've done. This is what we've done, and on and on. And we have expectations. And we can be, we can be disappointed when, when we don't get what we want. You know, this is the tradition. Like my family, we used, to, we used to do this and this. Well, that's not our tradition. You know, and so we can have competing demands because of my own expectations. Or, or, or maybe the expectation is surrounding a gift. You have the perfect idea, the gift that you really want. So you're dropping hints everywhere and you start obsessing about what you hope to get. You put the ad out, you circle the ad and Sharpie, this is what I want. (laughs) And you get disappointed if you don't get it. Similarly, other people's expectations, and this can be much stronger. Other people's expectations can really drown us. I mean, these are the demands that flow from friends, from family, from extended family, from the endless parties, from the spontaneous invitations. And, and you want to do these things, but there's only so many days and so many hours. And maybe you've experienced this. You know, you get the phone call. Hey, Josh, here's the plan for the family. You're coming, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> or there's the wish list with, you know, the older kids are getting older, the the gifts cost a lot more and you're trying to make the dollars stretch during this time. It's, it's no wonder so many of our Christmas movies highlight this issue of demand. And so, the, you know, this is a real Christmas challenge for us. How to deal with this. Now the people in the, in the early church, they were dealing with pressure as well. It was not Christmas time pressure. Um, but there's two first century churches that faced pressure that prompted a man named Paul to address issues in the letters of Colossians, in the letters to the Colossians and Galatian churches. And his responses are very, very instructive and helpful for us here and now. The pressure that these churches were under were quite similar in nature. The Colossian church, the Galatian churches, very, very similar pressure. What was going on was people from within their churches or around their churches were trying to impose demands upon new Christians. And... In the Colossian church, the demand was, it was basically, there was a group of people who were demanding that Christians still would observe Old Testament 
Jewish laws. Food laws, dietary laws, uh, festival, festivities. You know, you had to go, you had to celebrate in a certain way. And it's kind of like they were saying, look, this is what we've always done, so we're going to keep doing this. This is, this is what we've always eaten. We've always, we've always never eaten those things. And, and we, you know, we, these are the things we need to avoid. These are the things we need to celebrate. This is, this is what we've always done. Now that's what sounds similar to me about Christmas time. It's, this is what we've always done. And that was one of the pressures that they were under. From within the church. And, but what was worse was, this group was also promoting some philosophical differences about the sufficiency of Christ. And they were trying to do so from within. So you, you find Paul saying things like this. In Colossians 2 verse 8, Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Be careful. He said, some will raise tradition way above anything else. He's saying, be careful that you don't get taken captive by these things. It's not according to Christ. Or later, verse 16, same chapter, Paul says, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Why? Well, because these, verse 17, are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. See, he, he's trying to direct the focus of the church, like setting them free from some of the demands that people were placing on the church. This is very similar to the things we experience in our day and age. Now, similarly, the church in Galatia was dealing with pressure from a similar group, but there, this group in Galatia was teaching that in order to be a true Christian, men, males, needed to follow Jewish rites of passage. And this was an attack on the work of Christ because this group was demanding that in order to truly be saved, there was additional work that needed to be done if you were a man. And this was an attack. So new Christians had to jump through some pretty difficult hoops for men in order to embrace Christ. And so in this group known as the Judaizers, were putting this pressure on the church and the new Christians. What this was, was an attack on the gospel itself. This was an attack on the work of Christ. Again, so Paul, he wrote this. You know, this is, again, look at Colossians, okay? Now, Colossians and Galatians, you know, these letters would circulate through the region. I'm astonished that he says, you're so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace, or in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. You see, this is a gift, he's saying, like you're departing from grace. You're deserting from this understanding of grace. Grace is this, is that God was kind to you. God was merciful to you. Not because you did good things or you lived the perfect life or you got everything right. Not because of or in response to works, but God showed His grace to you. Grace is, is the fact that God did not give us what we deserve. And at the same time, God gave us what we didn't deserve. There's this dynamic of grace that we need to understand. And Paul's saying, look, it's about Christ and His, and this gift that was offered. He says, there's people that are trying to distort the gospel. And so there was this pressure they were experiencing. It threw people in these two churches into confusion, into anxiety, because that's how we deal with pressure and demand. Whenever it hits, we don't know which way is up. 
so we don't know what to do. We start calling people for advice. I'm feeling this pressure from these people. I'm feeling pressure to perform or I'm feeling pressure to, uh, to have to buy or to have to be there and, and I don't know what's right. And so we just start trying to tread through these waves not knowing which way to go. It's like being in the ocean. If you've ever been in the ocean and you're looking towards the shore and a, a huge wave comes up and you weren't prepared for it because you were looking at your family who's taking pictures of you and this wave comes and smashes you and you go under the water and you're doing somersaults and I've been there before where I've been you know flipped and turned under and I'm swimming and I think I'm going the right direction and I hit the bottom of the ocean floor and I realize I'm totally disoriented this is what happens oftentimes with pressure I want to illustrate this with an actual wave in the ocean this is a picture of a famous wave in Tahiti called Chopu Okay, now Chopu is, is not the tallest wave, but it is the thickest wave in the world. And it has, so basically it has the most water behind it. So if you wipe out on this wave, there's so much water holding you down that it's so difficult to reach the surface. You also, so you train by holding your breath for minutes and minutes. Some of these professional big wave surfers, they can hold their breath for three to four minutes with a struggle as well because, you know, you can imagine, you know, going under with something like this. And I want to show you some video because people train for this kind of pressure. So look at what these big wave surfers do. None of us are probably going to have to underwater wrestle today to prep for Christmas. But, you know, notice there's... What happens when these guys wipe out on these waves is when they surface, there's often another wave right behind it. So if they take the first or second wave in a set, there's usually a couple waves in that set. So it might be that they're held down for a couple of waves. And just imagine that. You know, you're disoriented and then it all starts over again and you didn't get a full breath of air. And so... You know, there's, these guys have to learn to battle. Most of us 
never going to have to figure out how to, how to battle in that way. But when it comes to pressure, our responses really vary in the room. Some of us prefer, prefer to just complain about the pressure. Some of us, pref, you know, we choose to, you know, to get hung up on feeling like we're the victim. Why does this always happen to me? Why, why do they always demand these things of me? Some of us might be looking for the pressure-free life, and so we try to escape pressure or relationships that are difficult and so we just try to protect ourselves I, I want to suggest a few other responses to use this season and so here, here are three during this Christmas season we can deal with the wave of demand by choosing a higher vantage point this is what Paul had to say to those churches Okay, here's what the scripture declares about Christ's followers Paul writes this Colossians 3 verses 1-3 through 3, if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul's saying, look, you've been rescued from sin, from self-effort, from death, and you've been raised with Christ. And he's saying, look, you've already experienced some of the new life. In his letter to the Ephesians, in chapter 2, Paul says that you're seated with Christ. If you're a Christ follower, you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That's a place of honor. So God has already placed tremendous value on us and He's given us an exalted position in the heavenly realm. And so, understanding our identity shapes our thinking on how we deal with pressure and demands. So Paul writes, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. For this church, they needed to be reminded that the pressure that they were feeling was tied to earthly concern. And so he just reminded them, hey, you don't need to keep trying to please everyone or come up with more self-effort to be right with God. You're already in Christ. And it, since you're in Christ, you're right with God. You have a new identity. And so often the pressure we, we feel is tied to a view of ourselves that's not accurate. We think we still don't measure up. And so we start trying to perform. But performance mentality, it's, it's not worth it. It's a waste. And it needs to stop. Because if we're giving in to pressure from sin, thinking, I've sinned and now I need to pay for it, or I, or I beat myself up, or I start performing, you know, you can just rest from working for God's love and acceptance that He, he has already received you. He's accepted you if you've turned your life to Him. Another way to deal with demands is this, is to aim to please God, not people. It's very important to remind ourselves about who where does our devotion and loyalty belong? It belongs to, to the Lord. Look at Galatians 1 verse 10. Paul writes, For I, Am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Who am I seeking to... Yeah, where am I seeking to get, to get my favor or acceptance? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. We're often so afraid to not give in to pressure and especially the pressure that people place on us at this time. So we end up going around in life trying to please everyone. We say yes to this demand, yes to this demand, yes to this pressure, only to be frustrated and resentful when we're with people because we didn't want to be there. And it's, it's a grind when we feel no freedom in relationships and the joy of, of life is zapped when we start trying to please people. Proverbs 29 says this, The fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Fearing people ensnares in that whenever we fear people, start giving in people-pleasing, we're giving people control over us. 
And it's far better to put your trust, your full trust, in the Lord. Uh, this issue of loyalty is, is a major issue of following Christ. When Jesus called people to follow Him, He often said, look, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow Me. He says, I want to be your number one devotion. Seek Me first, right? Matthew 6.33. Luke 10.37. Uh, you know, there, there's Luke 9.37 as well. There's these verses that talk about just devotion to Christ needed to be of utmost importance above all things. And so, if you're a newer Christ follower and you're trying to make everyone happy, and, and the issue becomes people or God, you, choo- you choose Christ. And you trust Him with the outcome. You trust Him with the pressure you're feeling. You wait on Him. Finally, what do we do in, in regards to our obligation to other people? Here, here's how we deal with the demands by others. We decide to use our freedom to serve. We find out in the Scripture we shouldn't fear people, but we, we should look for ways to love people and to serve people. Paul wrote this, Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom. Again, in this church, people were trying to, to take others captive and to, to, to rob them of their freedom. Paul says, look, you were called to freedom. You don't need to, you're free. But he says, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Don't, don't use your freedom to make others pay, to gratify yourself or your sinful nature. He's saying, instead, use your freedom to serve people. This, this is, again, tied to an understanding of our identity. Look at verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. It's love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. It's tempting to just withdraw from people in our lives who put pressure on us. It's easy to bite at them, to nip at each other. It's natural to want to just lash out and even withdraw from those who add pressure to our lives. But Christ Jesus has called us to a greater loss, the law of love. And that law flows from an understanding of our identity, the fact that we have been accepted and forgiven by God. We didn't deserve to be forgiven from our life of sin, but we are loved. And that frees us up to really love other people. Even those who, who at times can be really unlovable. And so, in these different areas of our perspective, God can rescue us from the pressure that comes with this season. So, where, where should you begin this morning? I want to ask you to flip over this listening guide. And there's three areas to consider in application of these three points from these verses. How to overcome the waves of demand. Maybe start by asking these questions. You know, identify demands and ask the Lord for help. What are the demands? What are the expectations, the pressures, the people that I'm feeling, you know, this, this wave coming from? Ask, just ask yourself, where is the pressure coming from? And then jot down some thoughts. Where am I experiencing this most of my life? This is going to help you know where to focus. And here's a prayer. Asking the Lord for help. God, I belong to you. This, this is from, this is in response to Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. God, I belong to you. Heaven is my future. Help me to focus on what's most important right now. It's just choosing, God, I'm going to choose a different vantage point, a higher vantage point. Help me to focus on the right things. What you say is most important right now, help me to focus there. Because heaven is my home. I'm here, but this is not, this is, this is temporary living. If I'm in Christ, heaven is my home. Next, set your heart to please God alone. Just decide, I'm not going to perform, I'm not going to cave into the demands of others, I'm not going to live in fear of others. I'm going to determine to please God through trusting Him and obeying Him. That's my top priority. And when we pray, 
you know, we're responding to God and we're aligning our hearts and our wills. And so maybe you even surrender to Him by praying a prayer or something like this. God, help me to please You and not place my value in what others think of me. And just ask God, God, would You release me from this pressure that I'm feeling? Would You help me to stop trying to perform? Help me to trust You with some of the backlash that comes my way in this season if I can't give everyone what they want? Last, take steps to serve others with a free heart. Take steps to serve others with a free heart. What specifically has God positioned you to do something about? Maybe He's given you a specific opportunity to love someone or to serve someone. Not out of guilt, not out of pressure, but out of real love and gratitude for what you have experienced through your relationship with, with Him. The fact that He loves you. He takes care of you. Now Now that frees us up to love people without strings, without pressure. So here's a prayer to pray. God, help me to serve those around me, not compete. And this is a prayer in response to Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. Now this may, this, this may not mean that you do exactly what people demand or want. But often you do what's right or you do what's best in the situation. Sometimes the very best thing you can do is just to pray and wait. I'm just going to pray. I feel this pressure. I can't, I can't give them what they're asking right now because that just wouldn't please you, Lord. But I'm going to pray. I'm going to wait. Sometimes it's just best not to enable demanding behavior because the cycle just continues year after year until we say, hey, we're going to kind of have to have some boundaries here. Sometimes it means helping out in a very specific way. We just sense God wants me to do this right now. And it's hard because it feels like I'm giving in a pressure, but I'm going to do this out of love for, for, for my Lord, and I'm not going to do this out of guilt. I'm doing this with the right motivation. And so God, you know, as, as we prep for this season, maybe God's given you some specific areas uh, to apply this. You might, you know, no one's life and pressure is exactly the same, so if you need help navigating a situation you're in or a relationship you're navigating through and pressure you're, you're facing. Uh, something I want to encourage you to do is maybe talk with uh, a more mature, mature person in your life. And so if you're, if you're part of one of our small groups, maybe talk with your small group leader if you're having a difficult time figuring out how to, how to specifically approach this uh, Christmas season. Would you take out that connection card and, and you notice there's some next steps on the back of that just as a way to apply this morning's message. One thing you could do is you could memorize Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Especially important verse to keep in focus this, this year, this part of the year. We're, we're, we're so focused on earthly things where we're the material kind of can rob our attention anyways. And so, it's a good verse to commit to memory. Second, serve those around me by, and fill in the blank, if there's something specific. And then last, related to our family Christmas service, inviting someone to, to join us for our family Christmas service that's coming up on the 18th. So, let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this time, for bringing us here, God. And we thank you for the weather that you brought to Southern California and for the way we ask you to replenish uh, all you've created we thank you God for the rain for the snow Father we we pray for safety as we travel about um, today and just uh, this season Lord 
Help us, God, as we wrestle through the challenges that we're facing currently in our own lives, Lord. Help us to be rooted and grounded in You and Your Word. Help us to be people who would take take what we learn and then put it into practice, Lord. We ask for Your help specifically today as we look to apply these things. In Jesus' name.